0: Well, it's good to be here in God's house tonight on this Wednesday evening, and we're uh, going to continue through our study in the book of Romans. This is Rooting Through Romans, part number 43, and tonight we're talking about proper Christian living. Uh, We'll go ahead and read our text there. Well, Before I get started, I would like to say uh, we did find out today that Brother A.J. Crawford passed away this morning, and uh, he's a great man of God, and he was the one that... uh, was there during my uh, ordination service and helped out with that. And uh, he's been a longtime friend of the family, and we've heard Brother A.J. for many years. And I know he'll be really missed, but uh, he was ready to go. But uh, pray for his family, those that's still behind, and uh, you, you pray for them. And uh, I just wanted to mention that tonight. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 through 21 tonight, Lord willing. Romans twelve nine through 21. And here the Bible says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, giving the hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as it lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, thank you for the reading of your word tonight. Help us now as we try to preach. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this past Sunday, we looked over verses three through eight, which was talking about the, the gifts of grace that God gives us. These gifts that we're to use in our spiritual walk, our Christian walk. They're to be used for the Lord's glory, to be used in the church. And uh, much like I said last time about those grace gifts, not only are these really useful for fellow church members, but for everyone you meet, for everybody you come in contact. Uh, these uh, This um, uh, Christian grace we ought to have. For everyone, But we also saw that God gives each person grace uh, or faith in measure, it said. And so he's, it's given to us in measure, which means every one of us has the exact amount of faith necessary to fulfill the gift that God has given us and for the purpose which he is, uh, has in place, whatever his will is. Now, we saw that these gifts, like I said, were meant for uh, the church and to glorify God. And in tonight's message, as we're looking at the rest of this chapter, we see what the Bible is talking about proper Christian living. And again, same thing. This, uh, this way we behave as a Christian should not only just be in church, but it should overflow into our daily life, our walk, our, our treatment of other people, and even, as much as we don't like it, our enemies. And we're going to talk about that tonight as we go. But let's look again at verse 9, where Paul writes, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Now that first word there, love, or the second word in, the, in this verse, love, it's a powerful word. Uh, it's used in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's used carelessly. and uh, But it is, uh, it's, a, it's a word that is used in a lot of ways. Let me give you just a few that I came up with off the just the top of my head. There's godly love. Of course, that's the greatest love of all. Uh, I believe they call that agape love but godly love, and there's maternal love. Uh, That's, of course, the love that a, a mother would have for her child or even a parent for their children. Affectionate love, amorous love, there's sexual love, there's devotional love, admirational love, brotherly love, and benevolent love. Those are just a few types of love that I just came up with the top of my head. But here in our text, the word love is used in a way that really means benevolence or brotherly love benevolence really it's our it's our uh, the way that we behave toward others as a Christian and we are talking about Christian living here and so Paul writes that this love that we have is to be without dissimulation now that's a word you're not going to see anywhere but the King James Bible uh, it means with sincerity and without hypocrisy or self-centeredness or guile and so this is a type of love that's not a begrudging love it is something that you not only say, but you put actions into your words. And that really is the test of true love, is whether or not you put action to what comes out of your mouth. A lot of people can say they love you, but until they prove it, you have no way of knowing if it's the truth or not. And I'm afraid too many times people use that word, love you. They use that phrase, love, you, love y'all. They're just using it to try to sound, uh, I don't know what they're trying to sound like, maybe sincere or or something, but most people misuse that and just say it, just to, to just flips off their tongue, and you know they don't really mean it. Uh, that they gripes me to death. Somebody, every time you talk to them, love you, you know, love y'all. Sure you do, okay? Come over and mow my yard. I don't love you that much. <laughs> and so uh, this, this love that Paul's talking about, this is a, a love that we put into action, our hands and our feet. We go about to to um, we're not to we're not trying to prove our love but it is proof of our love it's not lip service the lord had something to say about lip service i marked it here a while ago over in uh i believe it's matthew 15 and 8 well, we'll start with the uh, seven matthew 15 7 he's talking here to these uh, 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 pharisees and things he says you hypocrites Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctors the commandments of men. And so the Lord had things to say about people that just pay lip service. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they all did. Go around saying, I love the Lord, but yet I hate my neighbor. (laughs) And uh, listen... um, this uh, love is to be without dissimulation. It, it means it must be sincere and not uh, hypocritical love. As a pastor, I have came across more than just one person who throws that little phrase out there, love you, you know, or, or they even come up and tell you right to your face, I love you, you know, I love you to death. I just love everything about you. There was a man back in the, the last church I pastored and, uh, before I became pastor there, he was a member and he had quit coming. And when he found out that I was going to be the new pastor, he came to me and said, Brother Byron, I just love you to death. I'm going to start coming back to church. And boy, we're going to, that church is going to grow and, and, uh, I'll be there. You know, in eight years that I was there, he never showed one time. Not one time, but oh, he loved me. Listen, I don't care if you love me as long as you love the Lord, but (laughs) what I'm trying to say is it's too easy just to tell somebody something like that and it not be true. That's not the only person that did me that way. I had several people do the same thing. You know, they find out you're going to pastor somewhere. Oh, I just love to hear you preach, and I'm going to start coming to your church, and I just can't wait. Never come. Never, ever. And so, you know, you may probably think I'm I'm bitter, and I might be in a little bit, but, uh, you know, you get lied to so much, you get tired of it. But uh, here Paul's stressing to us about that type of behavior and warning against it. It's hypocritical love. That word hypocrite means a stage actor. It's, uh, it's somebody who hides behind a mask is what it is. And so you have a lot of these people that say one thing, but their thoughts and hearts are, are the opposite. But they're saying something else. He says to abhor that which is evil. Now that's another word. I'm going to give you a lot of definitions tonight. Uh, some of these words you may not be um, aware of what they mean. That word "abhor" means to hate and to turn away from. And so he's warning us that we're to hate evil, turn away from evil. Don't, don't jump out at an evil and and uh, make a, a friend of evil. And he's evil. He's speaking of is in context with our text here, which would be about hypocritical love. Or that word, like I said, that hypocrite means one who hides behind a mask. So. If you're being a hypocrite, uh, dissimulation, showing dissimulation, then that's what's going to happen. You're not going to be abhorring evil. He says that's evil uh, way of acting. So he says, Then instead we're to cleave to that which is good. That's the last part of verse 9. Cleave to that which is good. And again, definition, the word cleave means to glue together, to bond in unity. Think of it as using two sticks and getting some gorilla glue and putting in the middle of them. And those things are bound together. You're not going to get those apart, not, not easily. And so he says that we're to cleave to good that way. So shun the evil and cleave to, become one with those things that are good. And so uh, these are things that we would be doing with other people uh, as, a, as a Christian, showing brotherly love, benevolence. And a Christian should desire to stick with that which is good. You know, too many Christians are dabbling around in, in things that are not good and claiming, you know, that grace covers all that. Well, it may cover that uh, in, a, in a way, but uh, the Lord is not pleased with that kind of, of living. We can't dabble in the, the evil and dabble in the bad things and then expect the Lord to be pleased with us. Good things should be ingrained in us. Look at verse 10. He goes on to say, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. That kindly affection has thought behind it of is of that of the love that a parent has for a child. It's an affectionate love. We should all have a, a love for our fellow man, but our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he's saying right there. He says uh, preferring one another. And so as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should prefer one another. We should... Uh, be together we should have the same thoughts and ideas and share the same things uh, in christ so uh he says it's kindly affectioned, and we are after all related if you're saved we're all related in christ and therefore we're part of the same family he says in honor preferring one another so not only are we affectionate toward our fellow brothers and sisters in christ but we should also show those that are not in the church a a love, a type of love. Now, we're not going to probably run up to the world and just say, you know, come up to somebody, a stranger on the street say, I love you to death. I just do. I love you. They'll probably think you're crazy or they may abduct you and take you home with them. <laughs> but uh, uh, that word preferring means to lead by example. So, you, as a Christian, instead of waiting on somebody else to come along and show affection and show kindness and brotherly love and, and benevolence, you shouldn't wait for somebody else to do it. You, as a Christian, should take it upon yourself to be the example, the leader. And so when somebody you see somebody in need, you should be the one to come to them. Don't say, hey, I, that person looks in need. We wonder if somebody could help them. We ought to call so-and-so. They're good with people like that. No, we ought to lead by example, preferring one another. And so we, we, we're we not to wait on others to treat us with love and affection and honor and respect. We step out and do it first. Now, I'll admit I'm one of the world's worst to instigate something with people. I'm naturally a shy person. You put me in a room uh, with a bunch of people, maybe say at some kind of party or some gathering or get together, and I don't know people, the first thing I'm going to do is find me a corner somewhere where there's nobody at and get in it and uh, hopefully nobody will talk to me. And then I'll go home and I'll tell my wife, those people down there were so rude nobody said a word to me. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm just naturally shy. Now, I'm not like that in church. I can talk to people in church and it doesn't bother me at all and everything. But when I get out around a lot of people, I, I get almost panicked. I get some kind of, what do they call that? Um, I don't remember what they call it. A, a, a panic panic. Uh, Nerve, some kind of break not a nervous breakdown <laughs> I can't think of what I'm trying to say panic attack there you go and so these these things that Paul's talking about we should be willing to be an example and lead and show others brotherly love and Christian kindness affection benevolence and things like that uh, I tell you what being shy down here is, is it keeps a lot of doors from opening but in heaven there won't be no shyness. Everything will be alright. Alright, look at verse eleven back in Romans twelve and eleven. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word slothful means lazy, inactive, unwilling to put forth effort. Now, as far as I know, there are no sloths in the North in North America. Uh, they are in Central America and South America. It's an animal. It's called a sloth. It's kind of related to, I believe, an anteater, they said. Uh, you've probably seen them on TV. They, they're usually on all fours, hanging from a limb or slowly making their way through the rainforest. They've got this long hair, and they've got this funny-looking face, almost look like they're wearing a mask, and and uh, they just kind of very slowly go through the rainforest. They say they can eat something and go for days without eating again because their metabolism is so slow. And that's where we get this uh, named after is a sloth like that. So it's, uh, it's some, something that is very extremely um, inactive and unwilling to put forth much effort. Listen, if anything's worth doing right, it's worth doing with enthusiasm and vigor. There's nothing, uh, there's, you know, it gripes me more than anything. Somebody say they're going to do something, take care of something. And then they're just, they're the whole time they're complaining. They're slow. They're, they don't want to do it. And they're holding back. They're inactive and lazy. And I'm like, listen, if if you didn't want to do it, don't tell me you're going to do it. I'll do it myself. Uh, But don't be slothful about business or anything else. He says not slothful in business. Uh, as a Christian, we should be the hardest workers in, on the job, in the workplace. A Christian ought to be known as the hardest worker. You know, I'm not going to go into the office and expect everybody to carry my load. Now I'm going to go in there and I'm going to put forth 100% effort and, uh, because I just don't believe in uh, mooching off the company. I don't believe in being lazy. I think a person ought to work and they ought to work hard and they ought to be known for that. And if you're not, you need to do something about it. Give Christians a bad name, making the Lord uh, giving the Lord a black eye by by living that way. Um, the Bible says we're to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, the word fervent means a hot boil. A hot boil. We've all seen that every time we're waiting on a well, like a a, a boiled egg to boil, and we're sitting there looking at the water, waiting for it to boil, and it never never does until you look away. A Christian ought to be like a hot boiling pot of water going about serving the Lord with enthusiasm, excitement. I mean, we don't have to be giddy and and ridiculous and act like a clown, but we ought to be excited about working for the Lord and let people know that, hey, I I love the Lord and I want to do what he wants me to do. So we should show some enthusiasm, be fervent serving him. Now look at verse 12 and 13. It says rejoicing in hope and tribulation continuing instant in prayer distributing to the necessity of saints giving the hospitality all these things are part of that benevolence we've been talking about things that you recognize that other people need uh, attention for Uh, you know i don't i don't think anybody ought to be lifted up above anybody else but i believe that instead of lifting ourselves up making herself look better we ought to look out for others first uh, he names five things there, five examples of how we are to serve in fervent spirit. The first one he says is hope. We're to rejoice in the expectant return of our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our hope is is not for nothing. Our hope is one day we're going to be in heaven. Not that we don't think we're going to, but we wish or hope we do, but we have assurance of it. And so we ought to show fervent about that. We ought to, Our spirit ought to be fervent. Rejoicing in that blessed hope, the Bible calls it blessed hope. And then he lists. He says, "Tribulation, being patient." Uh, that means patient during trials in your Christian walk. Um, if you're living like a Christian, you're going to go through trials and tribulations, and he says you need to be patient and all that. Don't be like the world and give up and and try anything to get out of it. You know, any drug or alcohol or whatever they. They do to try to get over things, but we're to be patient and wait on the Lord uh, to get through these things. And he says we're to continue in prayer. He says continuing instant in prayer. That means every chance we ought to be praying, no matter what it is. Something comes up, we ought to remember to pray about it. A lot of times we don't. I'll just tell you, a lot of times things happen and and, uh, I forget to pray about it. And I always, I'll think about it later, and I'll think, man, I should have prayed about that before I did that. We ought to do it before, every business decision. Every time we're going to uh, do something that's uh, you know meaningful or whatever, we ought to pray about it. Uh, continuous. Over in Acts 2 and 42, we read about the early church. And it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So they were continuously being steadfast in in prayer. The fourth thing he mentioned there in those verses was necessity of distributing to the the necessity of the saints. I'm getting tongue-tied tonight. Uh, Necessity of the saints contributing there. So there should not be one single member of our church in need. If there's a person that's hungry, if they need clothes, if they need a bill paid, Whatever it is, and they're unable to do it, the church ought to stand up and say, we've got you. We'll take care of you. I believe that. I believe that a church is a family that loves each other, and if we have the means to help others, we do it. And uh, we distribute uh, out of necessity to the saints, whatever it is they need. And then the fifth thing he mentioned in those two verses is hospitality. He said we ought to be given to it we should be willing and hospitable not only to fellow Christians but to all men we ought to welcome our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ into our own homes and into our lives and, and whatever that's a mark of a true Christian is to be hospitable alright now look back at Romans 12 and 14 He goes on to say bless them which persecute you bless and curse not now here's where things start getting difficult now we can deal with all these other things when it comes to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But now when it comes to our enemies and people that's persecuting us, that's against us, that's when it gets hard. And this is the same thing the Lord Jesus teaches, even on the Sermon on the Mount. Over in Matthew 5 and 44, we read Jesus saying, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Uh, I tell you, when, uh, when it comes right down to it, uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, but I tell you, when you're under persecution and you know the person doing it, it's not not easy to bless them. Who's going to say, bless them, Lord? Nah. <laughs> no. No. Uh, and he says, curse not. In other words, don't get all riled up and angry and spitting like the world does. But uh, curse not about it. Pray to the Lord about it. It's what you need to do. Verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Have you ever noticed uh, a lot of times when something good happens to somebody and they're rejoicing about it and they start telling other people about it and there's always those that don't rejoice with them. I don't know if they're jealous, angry, whatever, but they want to outdo them. Oh, really? Well, let me tell you what happened to me, you know. They can't rejoice with that person They've got to try to make themselves look better. Uh, and I can't stand that. But he says if somebody's rejoicing, rejoice with them. Don't try to tear them down and try to make yourself look better. Uh, you know, I hear that all the time, people trying to do that. He's also, he says, to weep with them to weep. And the same thing happens there. A lot of times people's going through some kind of sorrow, or heartache, and they'll tell somebody about it, and, and some self-centered jerk will say something like, well, I know that's tough, but let me tell you what I went through. Well, they don't want to hear what you went through right now. They're going through it. They're the ones weeping. Weep with them. Have sympathy. And uh, we don't, they don't need to hear your bad luck story. Sadly, this is what's happened to the world. We've become a bunch of narcissistic jerks, a bunch of uh, self-centered people. No compassion for anybody anymore, no sympathy. It's all about me. As Christians, we ought to put ourselves aside. Realize that we're no better than anybody else. We're no more important than than that guy over there, that woman over there. Everybody's the same, which is what we see in this next verse, verse 16. He says, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. (laughs) Uh, of course, what this is boiling down to is pride. The Bible tells us that pride is sinful, that God hates pride. And our culture continually tries to make us think that we should be this proud, prideful person. You know, we ought to have this high self-esteem. And uh, that's what's wrong with a lot of kids today. They they hear stuff on television, these actors and things, who've got millions of dollars getting on there and telling them that they, how they need to be you know, this and that, and then they can't do that. And so they get depressed. But this, uh, this generation we live in now is a self-love generation. It's all about me. That's why everybody's going around taking pictures of themselves and sharing it, making those stupid duck lips on their in their phone. Uh, this self-love mentality is a bunch of garbage. If we treated others with love and compassion, we would put this pride behind us and realize that we're on equal ground. Everybody's on equal ground. Nobody's better than the other. I don't care if you're the most famous person in the world or the most not famous person in the world. We all walk this same ground. We were all born. We didn't. Even, nobody chose to be born. We were born, and uh, whatever life has dealt with us, whatever the Lord's blessed us with, is what we got. And so nobody's better than the other. Uh, it doesn't matter if you were born into wealth or poverty. If you were born with your skin that's black or your skin is white or any other color. None of us chose that. And so therefore, none of us are superior to the other. So Paul says we need to be of one mind, one toward another. Same mind one toward another. Not minding high things. condescend down to the men of low state. Be not wise in our own conceits. Now look at verse 17 and 18. It says recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in all this in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as it lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, what's the first thing you think of when everybody somebody does something against you? Say something somebody, somebody has done something against you, your family, your children, your friends. The first thing that comes to your mind, if you're like me, is revenge. It's just our flesh. We want to get back at them. I'll show you. You're not going to treat me like that. I'm going to get revenge. That's our natural inclination. But that is our old man's way of thinking. That's the old creature down inside of us clawing his way back up to the top with his pride. And uh, listen, it's not the new man's way of thinking. And it, again, it boils down to sinful pride. Sinful pride. It's our pride that drives us to seek and revenge retaliation. We want to prove we can get the better of somebody. I am superior than them. Notice it said in verse 18, If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, we are to do everything in our power to live peaceably with all men, whether they're Christians or not Christians. We're to, to try to live peaceably. As much as we can. That's why he said, if it be possible, as much as life in you. So we do everything we can. That don't mean they're going to reciprocate. That means that some people just won't allow you to live peaceably with them. They're going to kick and claw and scratch and uh, come against you, try everything in their power to instigate trouble and make it impossible to live peaceably with them. But we as a Christian, we're told that we're to, if, if all possible, As much as it is within us, as much as it lies within us, to live peaceably with all men. Verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, it is difficult for us not to want to avenge ourselves. If somebody comes against you with something, we want to avenge ourselves. And whether we like it or not, we are to allow justice and law to prevail in such cases. Now, I know a lot of times there's a lot of injustice, especially here in the world we live in. Things happen to people, and it seems like justice is not served. Somebody suffers. Somebody dies. Some, something happens to somebody. Somebody gets robbed. Somebody gets taken um, for for something, and it seems like nobody ever pays for it the criminals get off scot free but i want you to know the lord says it's his job to repay vengeance is mine he says i will repay saith the lord now this is a direct quote from deuteronomy 32:35 where the bible says to me belongeth vengeance and recompense their foot shall slide in due time for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things that shall come upon them may haste So if vengeance is to be dealt out, it is to be dealt out by the Lord. God will do it. We may not ever see it here on this earth. We may never. But I want to assure you, there'll be a day when we will all stand before a righteous judge. We will all answer for everything that we've done. And the Lord will uh, deal out his vengeance. He will. Look at verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, again, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament here as well. Over in Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, the Bible says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Now, I am going to admit to you tonight that I am not clear on the exact meaning of what this is talking about. I have preached this. It's been many years ago I preached the message on this. And I I preached it as what I thought it was. Uh, but uh, I'll just tell you, you can consult a dozen commentaries, and you're going to find a dozen different um, assumptions or beliefs or um scenarios of what this might mean and uh, i'll give you just a couple according to john macarthur he says this is a practice of an ancient egyptian custom in which a person who wanted to show public contrition and that means repentance carried a pan of burning coals on his head the coals represented the burning pain of his shame and guilt um i i I guess uh, he's a pretty smart man he's done a lot of uh, research and maybe that's true i don't i can't tell you that's the truth or not but that's what he claims another explanation which i've heard more than once is this in bible times an oriental needed to keep his heart fire going all the time to ensure fire for cooking and warmth if it went out he had to go to a neighbor for some live coals of fire these he would carry on his head in a container oriental fashion back to his home the person who would give him some live coals would be meeting his desperate need and showing him an outstanding kindness. If he would heap the container with coals, the man would be sure of getting some home still burning. The one uh, injured would be returning kindness for injury. And so um I really, that sounds more likely to me. I don't believe that the Lord is meaning uh, literal heaping hot coals on somebody's head as a form of punishment because they already told us not to avenge ourselves and that we're not to uh, recompense evil for evil. So that doesn't go with, with what he's, he's talking about here. Uh, it goes more in line with this, that it's something that you're doing to benefit somebody, to help them. And so whatever the exact meaning is, I, I don't know, uh, but I believe it's an act of love. It's an act of kindness. It's an act of... Uh, as our last verse implies, delving out something good upon somebody and not evil. Look at verse 21. He said, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And so I don't think he would expect us to uh, dump hot coals on somebody's head, you know, to pay them back for something they did, because that goes against everything scripture teaches. And I don't believe this is referring to the Lord, uh, the Lord's dumping of hot coals on his head to uh, for vengeance because that's going to happen at a later time. That'll happen at the at the judgment. But uh, I guess what it boils down to, though, is how many of us are willing to feed our enemies? How many is willing to give our enemy a drink when they're thirsty? Can you imagine being on the battlefield and the enemy's coming at you, he's ready to kill you, and he's hungry, and you say, Hey, hang on a minute, i got something here I want you to have because you... You're obviously hungry, and you need to eat. Let's 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 take a break from war, and I'm going to feed you. Now, how many people's going to do that? We're not going to do that. Uh, but the Bible says that we are to uh, feed those that are uh, our enemy. If he's hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. And so we're to bestow acts of kindness on everyone, even our enemies. And this is where true Christian character really uh, takes; has to take over. We must allow the new man to override the old man. We must allow the Lord to control our lives, the Holy Spirit, to step in and, and guide us in these types of things. And this is going to take a lot of faith, a lot of prayer. Going to take, uh, it takes a lot. To be able to do that. Now, I don't know that in the day that we live in, if we're going to have to face such persecution or things like they did back in Paul's day, or as Christians have all through the years, but you never know what's going to happen next. Um, Look at the war that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Uh, Lots of people over there, a lot of innocent people that's uh, losing their lives because someone is bloodthirsty. They they want power. That's all that's about power. Uh, that's that's why they want to take it over and so people are losing their lives how many of those Ukrainians do you think is coming up to the Russian army and offering them food and water to drink I've seen quite the opposite when they show it on the news and so look uh, as a Christian we got to do everything we can to behave like a Christian to show true Christian character morals, values and uh, that's what the Bible teaches so I'm not there yet. I'll tell you what. I try. I'm not there yet. I'm still a work in progress. And one of these days, I know the Lord, he's going he's gonna to mold me into the perfect uh, thing that he wants. But until then, I'm just a, I'm an old uh, lump of coal, I guess, getting getting worked and molded on. All right. Well, we're going to stop right there. And Lord willing, we'll be looking at uh, where are we at. Yeah, we're going to start verse or chapter thirteen next. Well, we don't have much left. What was there sixteen chapters in, in Romans, if I, I, if I remember right? And we'll be finished here in probably probably a couple of more months. Yeah, there's sixteen chapters here, so we'll start chapter thirteen Sunday, Lord willing. And then the following Sunday will be at Northside Baptist. I'm going to be preaching there for both services. That's on the 10th, I believe it is, isn't it? Uh, the second Sunday, it's Palm Sunday. So on Palm Sunday, I'll be at Northside Baptist Church. Um, it's, it's, it's downtown there, uh, off Central, on. uh can't re- remember the name of the road right now, but it uh, starts with a B. <laughs> But uh you uh you you can come out and be with us there on that Sunday on Palm Sunday or watch their live stream if they're if they're able to live stream. But you pray for us and uh Lord will we'll be back here on Sunday morning. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message tonight. Lord, I've got a long ways to go. A lot to learn, Lord, a lot of moulding that needs to be done. Lord, I don't think I'm the only one. Lord, help us. Lord, we're nothing but frail, we're, we're flesh, fleshly, we're sinful, we're carnal, but Lord, we know that within us, Jesus abides and he can help us. Lord, we have the, the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be our compass, and Lord, I just pray that we'll follow him. Lord, help us to do better, to think better, to act better, to treat others better, put our pride away, our sinful pride, Lord, we get it out of our lives. And Lord, we just pray that we always glorify you and honor you in everything that's done. Help us, Lord, here at this church, Lord. Help us as we strive to grow, in, in not only in numbers, but in grace, Lord, and in, in, in your word. Help us, Father. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.